HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by PASA Sustainable Agriculture. Register to attend PASA's 31st annual conference by January 28th at pasafarming.org conference. Welcome to Spill and Dish, a new podcast from the Specialty Food Association. Founded in 1952, SFA is the leading trade association and source of information about the $170 billion specialty food industry. We champion the food producers, retailers, and other buyers who make up the specialty food world. Each episode, we want to share the stories behind the products made and sold by our members who are helping shape the future of food. You can listen and discover the inspiration, recipe, craft, culture, ingredients, and production methods that help answer the question, what makes specialty food special? I'm today's host, Megan Rooney, Education Specialist at SFA. We're excited to bring you today's episode and so happy to be working with Heritage Radio Network, a nonprofit podcast network covering the world of food, drink, and agriculture, and expanding the way eaters think about food. Today's guest is freelance food writer, cookbook author, and co-owner of Run Amuck Maple, Laura Sorkin. She has a BA from McGill University, a culinary degree from the French Culinary Institute, and a Master's of Environmental Management from Duke University. She ran an organic vegetable farm for over 15 years and has been co-owner of Runamuck Maple since 2009. Runamuck has made waves in the food world from Oprah's favorite things to Sever and food and wine. In October, they were awarded first place in Specialty Food Association's Fast Pitch Friday event. Laura currently lives in northwestern Vermont with her husband and two children. Without further ado, welcome, Laura. Good morning. Good morning, Laura. I'm so excited to be speaking with you today. Glad to be here. Awesome. So since first learning of your company through your collaboration with Citizen Cider, actually, your products have been household staples of mine. And for (laughs) those less familiar, what does your company produce? So we started off as a company that produced um, maple syrup, pure maple syrup infused, smoked and barrel aged. And we've gradually um, started doing other things that are either maple based. And this year we introduced our new lines of honey as well. 
Delicious. So how many years have you been in the industry? We started sugaring in 2009. Um, I had started out as an organic farmer, uh, but it turns out that our property is much more suited to sugaring than to agriculture. So uh, in 2009, we started with about 27,000 taps on our property, but my husband is is sort of the type to go big. So we're now up to about 86,000 taps on our property, and we just um, acquired a parcel down in Bolton, and there's about 45,000 taps down there. So for the first several years, we, um, we sold to the bulk market. We produced maple syrup, and we would sell to another packer that would that would bottle it up, et cetera. Um, but around 2016, we decided to start our own retail line. And since there's a lot of maple syrup locally, we thought we might try something that was a little bit different that sort of set us apart. Um, and we also noticed that there wasn't a tremendous amount of branding being done with maple syrup. You know, a lot of it was mm-hmm. in the the plastic jugs or the, the same little, um, glass bottles that you see with the, with the silly handle that no one can figure out what their purpose is. Mm -hmm. So um, we came up with a different bottle and a different way of packaging it, introduced it in 2016, and we sort of have taken off since then. Amazing. And did you have a food background before launching your company? So after graduating from college, um, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. And I ended up down at culinary school in New York City. And I, I absolutely loved it. Um, and I sort of, I figured I had found my following, um, my calling. So I went, uh, and worked at a couple of restaurants in New York city and it's, it's a really rough lifestyle. It's, it's really Mm -hmm. tough. And so (laughs) I decided that maybe restaurant work wasn't quite right for me, um, and went back to graduate school and environmental management. But I think food was, was just always calling. And so found myself in Vermont running an organic vegetable farm. Um, and mm-hmm. when we started into the maple syrup, you know, a lot of our stuff is, is very unique and different, the infused maple syrups in particular. And people would try them and they really, they, they were blown away by them, but they're like, okay, you've got a, a lime leaf infused maple syrup. What do I do with this other than pancakes? And so that's right. my job at the company, which is coming up with, um, ways of using all of these unique flavors. And, and really from the start, we were all about um, getting consumers to use maple syrup other than pancakes to begin with. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful sweetener. It's very complex. Um, It's fantastic in cocktails. It's great for savory things. So uh, that's a lot of what I do is just educating the public about the, the many ways you can use it other than pancakes and waffles. Yeah, I use syrup regularly when baking, and I feel like that's become really popular. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yep. Really cool. So how did you get involved in specialty foods in particular? Um, I know you mentioned that you have lots of different flavors of syrups, and what made you decide to do that um, type of syrup instead of just you know your general maple? Uh, I think because we saw so much potential in it. Um, you know, back when we were trying the different infusions, we we did some very traditional ones like cinnamon vanilla, and and those are fantastic. And to this day, those are still some of our best sellers. But then we tried other things that hadn't really been done before, like cardamom and the, like I said, the the lime leaf and hibiscus. And we found that maple syrup is just really complementary to a lot of different flavors, and it just 
it they can sort of take on the flavor and become a completely different thing. Like the the hibiscus infused is probably our product that tastes the least amount like maple syrup. Mm-hmm. Um, but the combination of just those two ingredients, it's something phenomenal. It tastes a lot like a really fresh grenadine or sort of a, a lighter pomegranate syrup. So it's perfect for cocktails. Mm-hmm. It's amazing over cheese. Um, it's just got all these great uses. It's very tangy. Uh, it's got like a raspberry flavor to it. And so, um, you know, we thought, well, if these are interesting, let's just keep going. So that's what we're all about is just innovating and trying different ingredients and seeing where it takes us. And I have to tell you, we've also run across some truly awful combinations. Don't ever mm. put wasabi and maple syrup. It's awful. <laughs> um, other things were sort of surprising. Like I sort of thought saffron would be a nice complimentary flavor. Nope, really, really bad. Don't do that either. Mm. Um, so it's, you know, it's a lot of experimentation. Yeah. I was going to actually ask about some of those combinations that weren't as delicious. (laughs) You know, there's also other combinations that we've tried that, um, the flavor is, is wonderful, but we wouldn't necessarily know of a place to put it, you know, something like black peppercorn, um, maybe like a bay leaf black peppercorn combination and maple syrup. It's actually delicious and unique, but you know, we couldn't really find enough applications for it. I mean, it would be good possibly in a savory sort of thing, but we have other products that are better for that. So, um, you know, even though things turn out well, they don't always make the cut. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And it's clear that you love food. Where did your love of food come from? Did your parents encourage you to try new foods when you were young? Did you travel? Uh, where did this love come from? We did travel quite a bit. I was very fortunate in that department. Um, my mom actually uh, had a company. She was an agent for a lot of African safari groups. And so we spent a lot of time in Africa. Wow. My undergraduate was actually um, Chinese language and history. So I spent a bit of time in Asia as well. And I think, you know, my, my parents were just always really encouraging of us trying different things. Um, Although I will say, I think I was your typical picky eater when I was a young kid, like no vegetables, nothing too, you know, nothing Mm -hmm. too spicy, nothing too crazy. Um, You know, I don't don't think it was until I was more like a late teenager and early 20s that that I really sort of embraced all kinds of different foods. Yeah, likewise. I'm exactly the same. So there's hope. There's hope for my kids. Yes. (laughs) How do your children feel about your syrups. Are they big fans as well? It's so funny. You know, I think a kid, they grow up in their own environment. That's what they know. And, um, you know, they don't see it as anything particularly odd or extraordinary. Um, you know, my, uh, one of the things that I do around the farm is inoculate logs for growing shiitake mushrooms, um, Mm -hmm. which is fairly unusual. I've been doing it for 20 years and my son has picked up my love of, of growing things. And so he'll often do it with me. And he was applying to colleges uh, this past year and looking for essay topics. And I was like, well, why don't you write about, you know, growing shiitakes and stuff like that's, trust me, nobody else is going to write about that. And he's like, oh, that's boring. No one wants to hear about that. (laughs) (laughs) No, that'll definitely set you apart. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, a kid, they just know their own world and, and, um, everything else seems exotic, but the world that they're living in. So, uh, maybe one day they will find growing up on a, on a farm that produces maple syrup to be, 
um, unusual and extraordinary, but at the moment it's pretty ho-hum for them, honestly. (laughs) Seems like the dream to me. Um, What were the obstacles you faced in bringing your product and brand to market? Um, I think a lot of it was the the educating the consumer part of it. That again, if we were doing tastings and people actually got to taste the product, they were really blown away by it. But if you um, are looking at something on the web and you see Macrute lime leaf infused maple, you might not take a chance on that. You know, it's it's an expensive product. Maple syrup is is expensive, and so. Um, you're not just going to throw away, I think at the time it was about $16, $17 on something that you weren't sure about. And so at first, you know, as I said, our bestseller has always been the cinnamon vanilla. These are, these are tried mm-hmm. and true. They're very popular. Um, our bourbon barrel aged is, uh, the most popular of the barrel aged ones. These are things that people had a, an easy time envisioning being something that really appealed to them. So when we first started out, we, we tried to do as many tastings as we possibly could. And we would do local farmers markets and festivals and that kind of thing. And the more we could get people tasting, the better, because they really discovered the other things like cardamom and ginger. And, and um, so I would say one of the biggest challenges was, was getting the public to sort of see maple syrup the way we did, which was just as, as having a tremendous amount of potential for a lot of different cooking. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And what were some of the things that you'd do differently if you could start over again with the experience and knowledge that you now have? Uh, that's a, that's an interesting question. Um, honestly, I don't know if we would do many things that differently. I mean, our growth was, was very, very fast. And, um, you know, I think we grew so fast that sometimes we, we had a hard time sort of getting our feet underneath ourselves, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Um, And so things internally could get a little bit sloppy. And, but, you know, if you're on this treadmill, it's very hard to stop and get off. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. um, I think maybe just to, to slow things down a little bit, but otherwise I, I don't think I would change too many things, honestly. That's amazing. And that's incredible to be able to say. That's really wonderful. We've made mistakes along the way, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, those are those are learning opportunities. So, um, you know, you learn from them and you go forward. Exactly. I love that. What was the biggest surprise about getting involved in the specialty food trade? Uh, well, I, I think for me, it was just how much fun marketing is. <laughs> Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I come from a food background and um, I had never been in marketing before. Um, Obviously, it's sort of always on the periphery of things, you know, growing up with magazines like Gourmet and Bon Appetit, you know, the presentation of food and making it beautiful and sumptuous and attractive, something you a recipe you want to make, something you want to buy. It's, It's always there on the side if you're if you're cooking. But um, that's mainly what I do now. And it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I work with a photographer here. She's a good friend. And so we always have a great time working together. And if we're about to come up with a new product, I always like to come out with two or three recipes uh, that go along with it to introduce the product. And so um, I spend a lot of time in my kitchen experimenting with it, seeing what works, what doesn't work. And then we get together, we photograph it because 
photographs are everything as far mm-hmm. as selling food. Um, I'm afraid it's true. Like you can't just put a recipe out there without the photograph or people don't pay attention. So it has to be photographed and it has to look fantastic and like something that you really want to eat, you really want to make. Um, and that whole aspect of it is, is really fun. I, I have to say, um, uh, so that was a bit of a surprise to me in in uh, in growing this company. Yeah, and your photography and also your packaging are just really, really aesthetically beautiful. Thank you. So the packaging is is entirely to my husband. He's he <sighs> is all about design. Um, so the original the original um, bottle and the design. We work with an illustrator um, who's just phenomenal, who has done all of our illustrations for the bottles, and. Um, yeah, it, it makes a difference for sure. So when you were mentioning about um, the recipes that you come up with and how you recommend a couple of recipes every time you come out with a different type of syrup, can you give some examples of some interesting recipes that you've come up with? Sure. Um, so for something like the Macrute Lime Leaf, um, it's it's very floral and it's a, it's a very light kind of sweetness. And obviously, uh, Thai lime leaf, it's, it's used quite a bit in Thai cooking. So one of the first things I might do is go to uh, a lot of cookbooks on Thai food and sort of see a lot of Thai food uses palm sugar um, in a recipe. And Thai food has that wonderful triad of like sour, sweet and salty for a lot of their dishes. And so I might try a few dishes where I substitute our, our lime leaf maple for the palm sugar. And it almost always works out wonderfully. But then there's other things where you're, if you're thinking floral, like what complements floral? And so I did a grilled pineapple um, that you just put in with coconut ice cream um, mm-hmm. on top of it and pour the macrut lime leaf on top of that. I swear to God, I have seen people like lick the bowl straight. <laughs> It's such an amazing combination. And I think, you know, for me, that's pure joy is to discover something that's really, truly never been tried before. That's just fantastic. Yeah, that's incredible. Wow. That must feel great and also taste amazing. <laughs> and like the hibiscus maple, like I said, it's it's um, it's almost like a completely different product. It doesn't really taste mapley at all, but it, it also doesn't taste quite like hibiscus. Turns out it's incredible on strawberry ice cream. And I don't even like mm. strawberry ice cream, but you put the hibiscus maple on that and the combination is just, is just out of this world. Very cool. I'll have to try that one. Um, so I know that we discussed a little bit about your inspiration for new flavors. Um, how has your brand evolved over time? Um, so we're, we're moving beyond maple, uh, into honey and we're trying to think of, of our next step as to what we will like to move beyond that. Um, in between we did the maple mixers, you know, one of the things we discovered is that maple syrup is fantastic in cocktails. And so it seemed like a logical step to create the, the maple cocktail mixers. And so, a maple old fashioned has been around for a long time. And so we came up with our own mixer that contains all of the elements, a little, a little hint of orange, a tiny hint of cherry, obviously the maple syrup. Um, we have two versions of that, a smoked maple old fashioned and a regular maple old fashioned. And that's proved really popular. And then other types of cocktails like a, like a Moscow mule. We tried that with maple. So we've got a ginger 
Maple Moscow Mule, also really good. But I think the biggest surprise to everybody was substituting maple in for tonic, as in like tonic that you would use for a gin and tonic. It's really good. It's it's sort of almost like a richer gin and tonic. I mean, it's still refreshing the way it's supposed to be, but that was a real surprise. Um, and then as long as we were sort of in the cocktail realm, we, we went into bitters. Um, and that might not seem like a, a, a logical step because it's, they're not maple based. I mean, bitters technically are alcohol based. Um, they just have a little bit of maple syrup in them. They are indeed very bitter. They're not super sweet. But we also happen to be very knowledgeable about infusing. So it seemed like a good fit for our company as well. And so we've created an orange bitters, uh, floral bitters, and an aromatic bitters. And they turned out really nicely, really, really nicely. So when we thought about honey, um, it also just seemed right for our company that we would do um, some infused honeys. And they've turned out to be great. But we're, we're learning as we go with the honey. You know, we, we have a background in maple syrup. Um, I can write informatively about maple syrup. Honey is entirely new to me. I didn't, I still am, am a real novice when it comes to honey and we are not keeping the, the bees on our property. We're buying honey mm-hmm. from family apiaries, um, around the country. So this has been just fascinating for, to learn about bees and the ecology around bees but in a funny way, it's it's very similar to maple syrup in that they're both wild crafted forms of natural sugar <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that are, you know, one is produced by an insect, one is produced by a tree, but there's still a lot that goes into it as far as weather and ecology. Um, but honey is is a whole new road to go down. And I'm I'm really excited to learn about it. Awesome. And then I was just curious, um, what do you want people to know about your brand that they might not already know? Well, certainly quality, uh, that we spend a lot of time to get things just right. I think for just our cinnamon vanilla, we tried five different types of cinnamon and three different types of vanilla. And then, of course, a million different combinations of those two, infusing times, um, portions, ratios. We were very particular about getting the balance of things just right. So um, I, I guess I would love the public to know just how much work goes into to the research for each product. Beautiful. We're almost out of time, but before you go, we'd like for you to participate in our final segment, Take 5. Five questions for our guest. So first, let's pause for a break. This episode is brought to you by PASA Sustainable Agriculture. For 30 years, PASA's conference has served as a springboard for transformative food system change. PASA's 2022 conference features more than 30 virtual and 90 in-person sessions on farming and food systems, covering topics that include building community food webs, keeping seeds to preserve cultural traditions, protecting local watersheds, as well as production methods and business skills for food producers of all levels. Keynote speakers include Soulfire Farms' Leah Penniman, author of Farming While Black, Sarah Mock, author of Farm and Other Efforts, and Jessica Gordon Nemhard, author of Collective Courage, a history of African-American cooperative economic thought and practice. 
PASA's virtual pre-conference takes place January 4th through 28th. Register anytime to attend live or get recordings. You can also join PASA in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on February 10th through 12th for its in-person main conference. Comprehensive COVID safety measures will be in place. Learn more and register at pasafarming.org slash conference. That's P-A-S-A farming.org slash conference. Okay, here are your five questions for our final segment, take five. Number one, what is your favorite thing about the specialty food industry? Uh, well, we're in a great position to meet tons of different other farmers. Uh, like I said, right now we're, we're jumping into honey. So we have several apiaries that we work with already. But Eric and I are going on a, a bee safari down in Florida uh, coming March Ooh. to meet with a lot of, of new apiaries. And one of them, which just sounds intriguing to me, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Tupelo honey, but mm-hmm. it's, it's honey harvested from the Tupelo trees. And my understanding is the way that they, they get it is to put the hives on a barge and the barge goes out into the swamp to have the bees close to all the Tupelo trees when they're farming. And I am just, this bee safari is going to be great. That sounds incredible. I've never heard of a bee safari, but I'm putting that on my bucket list. This this is a new term. This is our this is our uh, our name for our trip. Oh, you may be onto something. <laughs> um, my second question is: What is your biggest gripe about the specialty food industry? Oh, ah, uh, that is a tough one. Um, maybe trying to keep up with trends. Um, I, I understand trends and I get that people can get excited about a particular ingredient and want to see it end up in a lot of different places. But um, yeah, always keeping up with the latest trend is uh, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a good way to put it. I get that, but it seems like you guys are really, really good at keeping up with the trends and the flavors that people are interested in. Number three is, if you weren't running a business, what do you think you would be doing? Mushrooms, for sure. I'm still fascinated with mushrooms. And I think I I would go back to school for mycology. I just see them having so much potential, whether it's bioremediation or food or, um, you know, they're they're using it for packaging now. I, I for vegan cooking, like I just, I think mushrooms and, and, but not much is known about them. You know, there's still a lot of research that needs to go into them. So I'm just fascinated by them. Yeah. Super versatile. Fourth question is what's the one piece of advice you'd give a new food business? Uh, don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, I think, I think no one thinks, no one expects you to know all the answers and no one thinks less of you for not knowing. I think it's worse if you pretend like you do know and just barge into something, make a huge mistake with it. Um, you know, one, one thing that Eric did before we built our own sugar house was go and visit a ton of other sugar houses and, and ask them, you know, what they like about their sugar house, what they don't like, what they would do differently. And, and he just got out there and asked tons and tons of questions. Um, so so I think I think that's what I would would advise. You know, don't don't sort of fear looking like you don't know anything because um, you know it's okay. It's all right not to know stuff. Yeah, perfect advice. It's great to ask questions. 
And my last question, uh, number five, is how do you define specialty food? Maybe food that's had just a little bit more care put into making it. Specialty food is, you know, it's often a small producer and they don't have the resources for big equipment or tons of employees. Um, And so they, you know, they make up for that with just putting an enormous amount of care and quality into what they do. Wonderful. I love that. So specialty food is food with a little bit more love and care. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. You can find out more about this show at specialtyfood.com and heritageradionetwork.org. And remember to follow wherever you get your podcasts. Come back often and get to know the people who are shaping the future of food. Special thanks to Laura Sorkin and to Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. This is Spill and Dish, a Specialty Food Association podcast.